engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hi, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to this episode of Pro-Life Primetime on this Wednesday night, the 16th of August. I hope you're doing well and having a a good summer. We see the end of summer on the horizon, actually, just a few more weeks. Uh, Many have gone back to school already, depending on where in the country you live. But it is good to be with you tonight. I want to catch you up on some pro-life things that are in the mix these days. I want to start with my book, Pro-Life Reflections for Every Day, and give you a uh, one of these devotionals here. The quote for today comes from Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. from his letter from the Birmingham jail. He says, why direct action? Why sit-ins, marches, and so forth? Isn't negotiation a better path? Indeed, this is the very purpose of direct action to dramatize the issue so that it can be no longer ignored. Reflection. There are strong parallels between the civil rights movement and the pro-life movement. One of them is that the powers with whom we must negotiate do not see the need to negotiate. Peaceful protest is therefore required. Let us pray. Lord, may your people faithfully protest injustice and awaken those in power. Amen. Well, now, if you don't have this book yet, you can get it at ProLifeReflectionsForEveryDay.com. All right. We recently had the anniversary of the passing of Nellie Gray. Miss Nellie Gray was the president, the founder of the March for Life, the annual March for Life in Washington, and I knew her pretty well interacted with her countless times, was together with her for strategy meetings, was together with her for uh, pro-life events, uh, together with her for pro-life leaders meetings, which she attended faithfully. As a matter of fact, one year at the March for Life, she fell on the stage and uh, a little bruise on her head. Fortunately, nothing more serious than that. But we took her to the nearby emergency room just for uh, precaution. And uh, I went over to the hospital after the march was finished and uh, she was doing okay. The next day we had a leaders meeting scheduled. There she was at the meeting with a bandage over her forehead, but participating fully in that leaders meeting from morning to night. Uh, Her commitment to this cause was far beyond organizing the march. In fact, many days uh, when we would have the March for Life and then we would have the what was called the Rose Dinner, uh, still it still takes place on the occasion of the annual march. Many of you, I'm sure, go there. Uh, she and I would be talking at the end of the Rose Dinner, and she would always emphasize, okay, Father, it's the educational work. The educational work has to continue all year long. And her educational philosophy was summarized uh, in the life principles, as they are called. And uh, core to those principles, you may never intentionally kill an innocent human being. Government government may never authorize such. She was um, thrust into the pro-life movement herself because of a consideration of the Nazi Holocaust. The Holocaust is what was the prick of her conscience to understand abortion. 
and, and, and this is such a, a very appropriate way of understanding it. She said, look, government authorized the killing of the innocent. We cannot allow that to happen. We can't go down that road. And there's no exception to it. Nellie was known as the, you know, the no exceptions. She would say, I'm one note, Nellie, one note, no exceptions, no exceptions. There never is an abortion. There never is an abortion that can be justified. You can't make any exceptions to the, the norm that you can't kill the innocent. That's a moral absolute. So Nellie really, really put that at the centerpiece of her thinking and of her strategy and of her policy preferences. She uh, wanted people to be educated in the life principle. So March for Life, even though the, the event itself, of course, takes so much of the attention every, every year in January on or around the 22nd, which is when the disastrous Roe v. Wade, now fortunately overturned decision, came down in 1973. Uh, but it wasn't just about that event. It was about organizing and mobilizing and educating uh, people all through the year and encouraging them to lobby their lawmakers, which is more important now than ever, since the court had the wisdom to get itself out of the way. Let the people and their legislators work out policy on abortion. We'll get out of the way. So now that means it's more important than ever for people to get to their lawmakers and advocate for the unborn, as Nellie Gray would have us do. If you go to our website, endabortion.us, You'll see a special tribute to Nellie Gray there, some of the photos of her and me and Janet Morana and our Priest for Life team over the, over the decades that we knew her. She died on the uh, 13th of August uh, back in uh, 2012, so we just had her anniversary this past Sunday, and uh, it's good, good to remember, to remember Nellie. Dee Becker also was working side by side. Dee, Dee passed away just uh, very recently, a couple of years ago, and uh, she was a good friend as well. But side by side with Nellie as the vice president of the March for Life, uh, Dee Becker from Delaware. Another feast day we had just the very next day, this past Monday, you may have seen some of my social media posts about St. Maximilian Kolbe. And I just wanted to repeat for you here tonight a point I made in my social media postings about St. Maximilian, and I've written about this in various articles, preached about it in various sermons over the years, and we put it on our website again the other day. He was a priest, and many people, when they think about him as a saint, relate and recall the story of how he, in the Nazi death camp, exchanged his life to save the life of another prisoner who was a father and a husband. God bless him for that act of self-giving love, that act of, of charity. Of course, that shows his heroic virtue. But let's not miss the other part of the story. Why was he in the death camp in the first place? What did the Nazis have against him? He exposed them. From his monastery, he would do what we're doing now. He would broadcast. Didn't have the same technology, but he broadcast it. From that monastery, he wrote and published articles and leaflets. And he pointed out the godless, anti-life, anti-freedom philosophy of the Nazi party. A political party. You had a priest preaching, preaching and speaking out against a political party. Sound like something that most priests you know like to do? 
to a St. Maximilian Kolbe. See, what makes me laugh sometimes, you know, is that we, all throughout the church, here we are honoring St. Maximilian Kolbe. We're repeating his story. Oh, how wonderful. He's such an example. Oh, he's a saint. St. Maximilian Kolbe, pray for us and there's devotion to him. How many are following his example? Not just as priests, as lay people, calling out godless, anti-life political parties who set themselves up against the freedom of the church, i.e. the Democrat Party today in America. It's the same godless philosophy. See, some people say, oh, well, the church has to be nonpartisan. That's exactly the point. If we're nonpartisan, that means we're going to proclaim the moral truth no matter who's involved, political party or not, Democrat, Republican, any, any other kind of party, Nazi party, doesn't matter. We don't take the political calculation into consideration. We proclaim the moral truth and we call out whoever it is that needs to be called out. Oh, what lack of courage we have today. Oh, what unwillingness we have today to call out these parties by name. Maximilian Kolbe had no such unwillingness. He had no such hesitation. He had no such wimpiness. He would call them out. And that's what we need to do today, the party of unlimited abortion, the Democrat Party. Speaking of that, the Democrats have become science deniers. Oh, I don't know what a woman is, their nominee for the Supreme Court said during her, test, during her testimony, during her Senate hearing. Oh, I don't know. I can't define what a woman is. A woman's not a woman. A man is not a man. A baby's not a baby. The reason we've reached a point where we can't say a man is a man or a woman is a woman is that for 50 years we've been saying a baby's not a baby. We've been denying the humanity of the baby in the womb. The humanity of the baby in the womb is determined by the same criteria as determining that he is a male or she is a female. Same thing, the genetic, the biological DNA. The Democrats are science deniers. They don't care about gender. They don't care about the baby in the womb or the humanity of that baby. Ask them when they try to corner you about the exceptions. I mean, we're, we're obviously committed to defend Every human life, a baby is a baby is a baby. The age doesn't matter. The circumstances of their conception don't matter. Like we were saying about Nellie Gray. There's no exceptions to the immorality of abortion. But when the Democrats try to challenge you about that, oh, so what are your exceptions? And they want to start focusing on that. Instead of focusing on their absolute, unfettered, fanatical embrace of unlimited abortion, we should turn the tables on them and ask them, well, what are your exceptions? Let's start with that. You tell me yours, I'll tell you mine. What are your exceptions to abortion? In other words, which abortions would you not allow? Which babies do you think should be protected? Which circumstances do you think should not justify an abortion? I challenge you to get a single one of them to answer a single one of those questions because they don't want to identify any exceptions. There are ex uh, no exceptions on the opposite extreme, fundamental uh, 
disregard for, for human life in every circumstance. Now, speaking about Democrat policies, let me bring you up to date on one thing. Now, many of you get our emails. If you don't, you go to our main website, endabortion.us, and you can sign up for our emails. As a matter of fact, let me give you another address because it goes right to our action page. You can sign up for our emails at endabortion.us. But we have a, a, a webpage, stopabortionnow.org. And at StopAbortionNow.org, what you can do is sign up for our action alerts, as we call them. And the action alerts, you will receive via email an alert that says, today or tomorrow, please call your member of Congress to vote on this legislation. And we'll give you the message to share. Or it may be some other action that you can take. One of the actions that is going to be in one of the upcoming action alerts, and if you sign up today, you will receive this email. Go to stopabortionnow.org. Is a rule that the Biden administration now wants to implement that would require employers who have more than 15 employees to accommodate requests for time off to get an abortion. This is part of the uh, the EEOC, the Equal Opportunity, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. They want to amend a law called the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act. Now, the President, Pregnant Workers Fairness Act was not intended by Congress to include abortion. You got to look at legislative intent when you look at a law. You got to look at what did the legislators intend to, to provide for here. This law provides for protections in the workplace for pregnant women. Protections for pregnant women. The other side, they can't help in, but interpret this as, oh, we'll give them the right to kill their babies. But this is not the part of the legislative intent of this particular law. Nevertheless, the EEOC under the Biden administration wants to expand the list of workers who are covered by this to include those choosing to have an abortion. And it says employees have to provide a, and here's the wording, a reasonable accommodation for workers that want to have an abortion. What does that mean? Time off, paid travel. It's like you're trying to make the employer complicit in an act that is going to destroy a baby and destroy that mother for her life. Obviously, this should be resisted, and we're going to give you an opportunity to comment on this to the government. We'll send out an action alert. Again, sign up at stopabortionnow.org. Here's how these things work. The relevant government agency proposes the rule. Okay, proposes, uh, uh, this is part of the executive branch. The law is there from Congress. But these laws provide a lot of a leeway for then some agency of the executive branch to decide further details. Right, one of those details here is what kind of people are covered over these, under these provisions for the, uh, uh, you know, in the workplace for, for protecting pregnant women. And what does that mean? So the agencies decide, executive branch. But when they propose a change in these rules or they propose a new rule, by law, there's a period of two months, and it has already started, a period of 60 days where you can say something about it. Because these rules do affect the, the general public. So the general public 
is invited to make comments. And the government needs to read those comments. It's a simple web page. You go to the web page and you make your comments. Now, making comments on a proposed rule does not require you to be an expert. It doesn't require you to write an essay. You can just write one sentence, I oppose this rule. Or two sentences, I oppose this rule. I don't think an employer should be required to help someone who wants to kill her baby in any way, shape, or form. Period. That's your comment. You don't have to be invoking, you know, fancy language. You don't have to be an expert on the rule or on the law. This might be the first time you're hearing about it. That's okay. You can make a You're a taxpaying citizen. You're a voter. You're an American who's affected by these policies one way or another. And uh, you have a say. That's why the law has this comment period. You have a say. I want to encourage you to utilize that. Utilize that right. We'll make it easy for you. We'll send you the action alert, but you got to be on that email list. So sign up at stopabortionnow.org. We'll make it easy for you. You'll see the link there. You just click it. It'll take Literally, it'll take five minutes or less. Now, if you want to get into this more and study the, 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 the regulation and really look into it and you know, write something that's longer, uh, more substantial, more detailed, obviously you could do that too. You could even attach documents to these comments. So I want to encourage you to do that. Let's get involved. This is the way that we, we make a difference. Finally, I want to look at something here that um, um, somebody posted online recently speaking in, in, in uh, uh, terms of abortion. And, and I want to show you where there is truth in what this person says. Um, but at the same time, we have to be careful not to misunderstand. He's talking about, this person is talking about the Dobbs decision and the way that we we reflect on the Dobbs decision. And the Dobbs decision said when it overturned Roe v. Wade now over a year ago, that we're returning the issue to the people and their elected representatives. Okay, that makes sense. The people and their elected representatives, that's how laws get, get made, right? And we want laws that protect the unborn. So we're saying, hey, this is a great victory. Because before this, the court was standing in the way of the people and their elected representatives when they wanted to protect the unborn in some places right from the very moment of conception. And the court said, no, 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 you can't do that. It's like, who are you to tell us we can't do that? These babies are persons. These babies have a right to be protected, which is not subject to a veto power from the court. And it's precisely because their right to life exists independently of the court that we're happy that the court's prohibition on this, that is protecting them, went away. Now this person says, oh, well, wait a minute. Don't be so happy that uh, this decision returned the abortion policy to the will of the people and their elected representatives, because your right to life, my right to life, anyone's right to life does not derive from the will of the people and their elected officials. Of course it doesn't, any more than it derives from the will of the court. So that's the truth in this. Of course, it's not that the right to life derives from the will of the people and their elected representatives. It's the other way around. If the people and their elected representatives recognize that the right is there, independent of them, 
and they vote to protect it, they should be able to do that. That's what we're rejoicing at. We're happy about the Dobbs decision precisely because we can protect a right that does not depend on us. But we've got to protect it. We don't grant it or take it away. We're protecting an existing right. In fact, it's a right that our founders speak about in the Declaration when they say we have inalienable rights given to us by our Creator. It's a self-evident truth. It's self-evidently true that the right to life doesn't come from government, doesn't come from Congress, doesn't come from you and me. So we don't rejoice in the court returning this to the will of the American people because the right to life derives from that but precisely because we have a duty to protect this right that derives from God. So important distinction to make. Let's make sure we understand this. Uh, this, This is, you know, language only goes so far, and language can be a stumbling block. It can be a help. It's supposed to be a help to communicate ideas. Sometimes it can be a stumbling block to uh, understanding uh, what we really need to uh, understand. Interesting developments here in Florida. Uh, We have uh, an abortion mill uh, not too far from here that uh, has been caught in safety violations. You know, this is so much of a pattern all across America. Uh, The um, I've 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 talked to you about the book called Unsafe by Americans United for Life, where you have uh, abortion facilities. Uh, violating all kinds of health and safety standards. You have all these violations listed there from, you know, expired medications, non-working medical equipment, untrained staff, uh, you know, so many violations that are par for the course for the abortion industry. What we have to make more par for the course is that these get exposed and dealt with this abortion facility apparently was also not enforcing the state law about giving uh, information and awaiting, awaiting uh, period for that mom to make her decision. You know, the fact of the matter is the abortion industry doesn't care about laws. They don't care about any rules or regulations. They don't care because they have no conscience. If you can tear a baby apart, a living baby, tear apart limb from limb, you're not going to care about some regulation about providing information or waiting 24 hours or getting parental involvement or anything like that. Let's pray that these abuses will continue to come out and that people will realize that just because abortion was made legal, that doesn't mean that it's safe. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer now. And uh, we want to pray for you and all your intentions, those you may have expressed in the comments, those that remain in your hearts And let's lift each other up to the Lord and offer the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. 
Okay, friends, make sure you're connected with me on all the social media platforms at FR Frank Pavone. And I invite you, as always, to donate to our ministry, prolifegift.org. You can also call us. We have a very easy-to-remember phone number, and that is 321-500-1000. That's 321-500-1000. But go to prolifegift.org, make a donation today so we can continue this life-saving work. We rely only on people like you. God bless you, and we will talk to you tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.